Welcome to this week's sermon from Heights Worship Center. We believe God has something for you today. We hope this message encourages and inspires you. So last week we talked about the question of the day. What is truth? And we talked about how in our culture, we're all being told, find your truth. Look for your truth. Live your truth. And last week we talked in depth about this question. So if you missed last week, you just got to go to YouTube or SoundCloud and you got to catch up because I don't have time to recap. Okay? But when we say what is truth for us as believers of Jesus, the reality is Jesus is truth. Read this with me, John 14, 6. Read it really loud. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And I explained to you that the Holy Spirit took this verse and took it to a different level for me. And he put it like this. Jesus is the way to find truth that leads to life. So Jesus is the way to truth. And when you know that truth, you find life. So you find Jesus, you find truth. You find Jesus and you find real life. And isn't that what everyone is attempting to do and finding their truth? They're trying to find purpose in life. They're trying to find happiness in life. But only Jesus provides a rich, satisfying life. So if we find Jesus, we find truth. So for all of us, that is what we should be continuing to do, whether you've never thought about Jesus once before or you've been having a relationship with Jesus for many, many years. There is still more of Jesus to find out about. You can never know everything about Jesus. Amen. It says in John 1:14, and this is going to start to outline the major points of today. John 1:14, the word became flesh. Who's the word? Jesus, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Say full of grace and truth. Say it again. Full of grace and truth. See, oftentimes we, we, we want to stake in one camp or the other. It's all truth. You got to follow the law, do the law, can't do this, got to do that. That's the truth. And then if we don't incorporate grace, what happens? We get frustrated, discouraged, depressed. We want to quit because none of us can keep the law perfectly. Right? And then some people want to stake their claim in the camp of all grace. Grace, do what you want. God loves you. He loves everybody. So live your truth. Do your truth. Grace, grace, grace. Grace, grace, grace. But if you live only in grace, then you never experience the transforming work of the Holy Spirit to actually lead you into more life, more healing, and more wholeness. And Jesus came full of grace and truth. Say it again. Grace and truth. When the Holy Spirit really highlighted this 
for me, this truth, not either or, but both and, grace and truth, was at a time in my life when a family member of mine decided she no longer wanted to serve Jesus, she wanted to find her truth. And so she decided to, to just completely go a different way, leave her family, do a bunch of stuff, live her truth. And I remember praying about it, and I was like, God, what, am, what do I do? And I was just praying, and I remember the Holy Spirit told me this verse, Jesus came full of grace and truth. And I think this is so important because you and I have to learn as followers of Jesus to be people of truth and people of grace. Both truth and grace, not one or the other, but both truth and grace. So if we know the word, we know truth. And we know the word, we also know grace. We need both. Both are equally important. Both are necessary. I read this verse last week, but I want to bring it in today. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 through 9. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. So the truth is, you and I are sinners. Every single one of y'all. Me too. Every day, we make mistakes. Right? None of us are perfect. None of us will ever be perfect. So don't pretend like it. In this church, you don't have to act like it. You don't have to act like you have it all together, right? Because we're all on a journey to believe and become more like Christ. But if you think you have no sin, the Bible says you're not living in truth. So part of truth is recognizing that you and I are sinners. That we need a savior. But look at verse 9. But if we confess our sins to him, read it with me. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Whoo! Isn't that good news? If we confess our sins, he promises to cleanse us, forgive us from all our sins. Maybe you got more sins than the other person, but in God's eyes, it's all sin. <laughs> we, like, we talk about this in the young adult Bible study. You know, humans, we like to rank sin. Well, this sin, it's okay, white lie, me. You know, maybe not be honest on my time card. It's not that big of a deal. Oh, but if you have this desire, oh, bad. If you do this, oh, horrible. And we, we rank sin, but you know, the Bible says if you commit one sin, you committed them all. And so we have to come to the truth that we are sinners. And in order to receive God's grace, his forgiveness, in order to be cleansed and forgiven, we have to what? Confess our sins. Now, this is so important because this is where truth and grace intersect. I have to own the truth that I'm a sinner. And that truth becomes the invitation to receive God's grace. Listen, you got to follow with me. I cannot receive God's grace if I don't confess I have sin. So it's really important that we understand the truth of our sinfulness. Because when I acknowledge I don't got all my stuff together, I'm not perfect, I can't make it happen on my own, when I confess I mess up, then that brings me to an opportunity to receive God's grace. 
But if I don't want to own it, if I want to dismiss it, redefine it, if I want to put it away or pretend it doesn't exist, then I cannot access God's grace. Do you get it? That's why Jesus came full of truth and grace, because he wants you to have grace. But in order to have grace, you got to recognize the truth. And this is why the devil is trying so hard to redefine truth. We don't want to talk about sin in our culture anymore. Even in the church. Well, don't talk about sin. You don't want to offend anybody. I've been there. There's been times I've wrestled with that as a speaker, as a teacher, as a pastor. I've been going to the Teen Challenge Women's Home for probably 15, 18 years. And I remember in the beginning, it was hard for me to like even talk about addiction. Hello, I am in a house for women who are addicted. But I, I was like struggling to talk about it because, you know, you don't want to offend anybody. Until I started to realize you have to confront your sin in order to receive God's grace. And now I have no problem talking about it. So I don't have a problem talking with you about it either. We have some issues in our lives. And the only way to access God's grace is to confront our sin. So if I own the truth of my sin, then now I'm at a place where I can receive God's grace. And the devil does not want anybody to receive God's grace. So he redefines sin. Oh, don't talk about sin. Sin. Now, if I redefine and I find my truth, then my truth says this isn't sin because this is how I feel. This is my inclination. These are my desires. These are my urges. And so because I feel this is who I am, therefore, this is my truth. This my truth means there's no accountability for my actions. And then I can't receive God's grace because I'm defining my truth apart from God's truth. And now I can't receive God's grace. And why is God's grace so important? Because grace is what changes lives. Grace is what lets people encounter God. So the enemy says, let's redefine sin. Let's not talk about sin. Let's don't point out sin because we don't want people to know Jesus full of grace and truth. Are you tracking with me? If you don't remember anything else, that's what I want you to remember today. I don't need to hide from my sin. If I will come to Jesus and say, I'm struggling in this area. Now you've positioned yourself to receive his grace. And let me help define something for you. Mercy is when God does not treat you like you deserve. Punishment for your sin. But grace is when you get what you don't deserve. Favor, love, kindness, forgiveness, Holy Spirit power. So when I come to a place and say, God, I'm struggling in this area. I'm struggling with lust. I'm struggling with pornography. I'm struggling with pride. I'm struggling with whatever it is that you know you're struggling with. Many times as Christians, we just don't want to deal with it. La, 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 la. It's not there. I'm okay. Because we don't want to own it. And when you don't acknowledge your sin, then you can't receive his grace. And his grace isn't just forgiveness. His grace is power to be free. His grace is power to live free. His grace is power to live free. So we got to own our sin, our disobedience, our stubbornness, our pride, any wickedness. Why? Because if I will confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I don't know about you, but that's my reality. That's where I want to live. So you know what it means? I have to confess my sins to God. 
And I have to say, God, I've tried to get over this sin and I can't. Work in me your grace, Holy Spirit. You, you want to know the secret to overcoming the same sin over and over? Every time you commit it, say, God, I'm sorry I did it again. Don't hide. Don't try to make up for it. Well, if I pray this much and I read this much and if I give a little extra in the offering, maybe I'll ask God. Ask him right away. Amen. Adam and Eve hid from God when they sinned and he did this. Woo, where are you at? They hid in shame and guilt. And he called to them. Hey, he knew where. Come on, y'all. He knew where they were. So why did he ask, where are you at? Because he wanted them to know, even though you've sinned, I still love you. And I'm still pursuing you. And I'm drawing you to me. Don't run from me. I'm I'm asking you to come to me. And he covered their sin with what? Animal skins, blood. Jesus' blood covers us. He does not want us to run from him. He wants us to run to him. And when we confess our sins, he will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we got to be careful because if we don't want to talk about sin, if the church just wants to not offend anybody, we don't want to talk about sin, we don't want to talk about what's happening, then we are robbing people of the opportunity to experience the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. But y'all, it's not your job to point out people's sin. I just got to make that clear. It's our job to show people Jesus, who's full of grace and truth. It's our job to live a life that is modeled after Jesus Christ, not perfectly, but passionately. And pointing them to Jesus. Because you know another name of the Holy Spirit? He's the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit can help people come to a place of truth. Our job is to come alongside and show them that it's not scary to embrace the truth. Because when I embrace the truth, I find Jesus. I find grace. I find mercy. I want to take you to Romans chapter 1. This is good. It's better than you're acting. But you know what? It's okay. Because sometimes it takes a while to get it in. Get in truth and grace. Say that again truth and grace. All right, Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise They instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people, birds, animals, and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Look at this next verse carefully. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created 
instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. So if you go back to the very first verse 18, it says that God shows his anger against all sinful people. Remember, God's not angry at people, he's angry at sin. And he fulfilled the solution to satisfy his wrath. His name is Jesus Christ. However, God still shows wrath towards sin. Why? Because sin steals, kills, destroys. As a parent, you don't like the things that hurt your kids. You struggle to like the people who hurt your kids. So God, in the same way as a loving father, he understands, hey, this is hurting you. This will kill you. This will make it hard for you. So that's why he doesn't like those things. He has wrath and anger towards sin. But here's what it says, that he shows his anger against those who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Right now, in America, the demonic culture is working in overdrive to suppress truth. How do they suppress truth? If you even dare to say something against the popular ideology, they call you hater. They cancel you. They blast you. They shame you. They isolate you. They outcast you. Come on, I know some of you know what I'm talking about because you've experienced it. Your family's like, I won't talk to you anymore. The world, I'm not, the world, I'm talking about demonic powers and principalities, ideologies that exalt themselves against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The world is trying to suppress truth. Because if they can suppress truth, they keep people living in lies and they don't find Jesus and grace. So they're suppressing truth. All of the main uh, media outlets, they're all together making sure they're saying the same thing. And any churches that try to say something different, they're taking them to court. They're canceling them. They're taking them off their platforms. They're not letting you post things. I'm telling you, there is a battle over truth in this nation. And so the enemy is trying to suppress truth. And we're seeing wickedness like never before in our face. Like never before. Why? Because the enemy is trying to suppress truth by redefining truth. If you find your truth, live your truth, then you'll really be happy. But come on. It only leads to misery, oppression, suicide, anxiety, depression, addiction. And it says here that whether you knew the law, talking about Jews, or you didn't, everybody knows there is a God who is a creator because God put it in our hearts. So nobody has an excuse, but if I can deny that there's a God who created me, then I don't have to answer to the God who created me. Do you get it? So if I say I trade the truth of God for a lie and I make God into whatever I want to make God. Now in this time and age, he's talking about the making idols that look like birds and reptiles and animals. You and I may not do the same thing, but here's one of the biggest challenges in our culture that seeps into every Christian life is we want to make God into our own image. God, this is what I think you should do. That means I'm trying to make God be me. God, this is what makes sense to me, so do it. Oh, I don't like this God, you're wrong. And so we try to craft God into our image, what I think God should be like. If God is love, love looks like this. Therefore, God should be like this. And if he's not, I don't want that God. Do you see how the world is trying to redefine? 
and they're making God into their own image. Because if I trade the truth about God, my creator, for a lie, then I can live any way I want. And I'm not accountable to my creator who chooses my design, who chooses my gender, who chooses my gift sets, who chooses my personality and intellect, who crafted me for such a time as this. So if I don't have to acknowledge God, if I don't acknowledge that he's even real, then I can choose what I do with my life. This is the struggle and the choice for every human being ever born. Every one of us. It says that they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him. And so they thought up foolish ideas of what they thought God should be like. So you know what? When we're talking about the battle of truth, we're actually talking about a battle over worship. Will I worship God as he is, or will I try to redefine God and worship him the way I feel like it? When I want to, when things are going good. Do you understand? I'm trying to point this out to us. One, because if we're not careful, what the culture believes and preaches will come in and influence the way we live. I must be influenced by the Holy Spirit and by the word of God, because if I'm not careful to stay in tune with the word, to stay in tune with truth, to stay in tune with the Holy Spirit, then I am capable of being misled. And so are you. So we got to know the truth. We got to stay in the truth. We got to continue to worship God. So the battle over truth is the battle over worship. Will I worship God, the creator, or will I worship what I think God should be? Will I worship God, the creator, and live according to his plan, his design, his purposes, or will I just live according to my own plans, purposes, and design? We have got to choose truth. Church, we must be people of truth and grace. And you know how it's easy to stay people of grace? Because when I acknowledge the truth about my sinfulness, it reminds me of how good God's grace has been to me. So I ain't dare going to judge nobody else. Because the rest of Romans 1 outlines all the evil things that they were doing. And then it says in chapter 2, and who are you to think you could judge them? You do the same thing. I had so much scripture I could preach for three hours, and so I had to edit it out. But y'all can read the book of Romans this week. In John chapter 1, a couple of verses later, in verses 16 and 18, it says, Out of his fullness, Jesus, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. I love that. Grace on top of grace. For the law was given through Moses... Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In the span of four verses, it's mentioned twice. Grace and truth. When the Bible repeats itself so close together, it's like, listen, get it in your head. Jesus came to put grace upon grace, and he's full of truth and grace. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God as and is in closest relationship with the Father who has made him known. So Jesus came to make God the Father known. If you know Jesus, you know God the Father. Well, even in the Old Testament, Moses said, God, I want to know you. I want to see your glory. And you know how God revealed himself to Moses? 
He put him in a rock. And as he passed by, he said, I am the Lord. I am gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Even God revealed himself as gracious, compassionate, merciful, abounding in love. He does not like to treat sins, but he will according to what they desire. But he also has mercy for thousands of generations. God revealed himself not as an angry, wrathful God in the Old Testament, but a God who is so full of grace and mercy and compassion that he knew I'm sending my son Jesus. You just wait for it. And so Jesus comes and he comes full of grace and truth. But in this scripture, there is a contrast between the law of Moses and Jesus who came full of grace and truth. The law was given to the people of Israel, right, through Moses. And the law became the basis of relationship with God. The Ten Commandments and all the other rules. They had to follow all those rules perfectly. And if they didn't, they had to have animal sacrifices, right? In order to have a relationship with God. Well, Jesus came and he changed all that. He fulfilled the requirements of the law and he became the one and only sacrifice for all time to atone for sin. And so we're gonna look at this contrast between the law, law, do it, don't do it. And a lot of people say, I don't wanna follow Christ. He takes away all my fun. Man, and I can't do this, and I can't do that, and I gotta do this, and I gotta do that. Because all they have is law. They don't understand about the power of God's grace and love. In Romans 3, 21 through 24, Everybody say, but now. (laughs) Anytime the Bible says that, but now, you better pay attention. But now, God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, uh uh-oh, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God, read it, by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. So we're no longer made right through keeping the law, but we are made right through faith in Christ Jesus. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. There it is again. Tell your neighbor, that's you. (laughs) And me. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Here is truth and grace side by side. Truth, we are all sinners. Truth, we all mess up. Grace, if you believe in Christ Jesus, he forgives us our sins and he makes us right with God. That's also truth, by the way. That's also truth. I like how it says we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true. We're talking about truth. This is truth for everyone who believes no matter who you are. See, that's another lie that the enemy wants to tell people to keep them from the truth of Jesus. Oh, you're not good enough to follow Jesus. Mm, You shouldn't even go to church today. You know what you were looking at last night. 
Oh, who are you to sit there and clap your hands? You know what you did this week. Come on, you know how the enemy is, y'all. Call yourself a Christian. But God, but God, but God. I want to teach you some new responses when the enemy comes and lies to you, who you think you are. You mess up. Instead of saying, I know, I suck. Ugh, why am I doing this? I'm not even going to church tomorrow because I'm a hypocrite and I can't go to church if I'm a hypocrite. Yeah, this is exactly where you should be. So when the enemy starts to tell me, Don, you're not good enough, I say, you're so right, but praise God for his grace and his mercy. Don, who do you think you are? You're the pastor and look what you just did. I know, I need Jesus. I'm gonna run and get some grace and forgiveness. I wanna give you some new dialogue. With the enemy, when he comes and tells you, shame on you. You said, yes, but God removed my shame through the blood of Jesus on the cross. I am free from shame. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You got to get your dialogue right. Because the enemy is the father of lies. And he's going to lie like crazy to you. And I don't care who you are and what you've done. How bad you think you've done it. Yes, even a serial killer can come to faith in Jesus Christ and be completely forgiven of all their sins. There ain't no sin too great that can overcome the grace of God. And this is truth. And if you and I would live this truth and speak this truth, then guess what? People would want to come to embrace truth and receive the grace of Jesus Christ. What if this is the truth you and I live? What if this is the truth that you and I live? Mm, you shouldn't act like that. What if we're like, man, let me help you. Let me come alongside you. There's freedom in Christ. There's freedom. There's power in the grace of Jesus Christ. Those are more scriptures I couldn't get to this week. Romans 8. I quoted this, but let's read it. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus. Whoo! No condemnation. So when the enemy comes and tells you something, just say, no condemnation. I belong to Jesus. No condemnation. It's not an excuse to keep living in sin, but it helps me come free from sin. I'm going to talk about that a little more. And because you belong to Christ, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So yeah, we mess up, but you and I are not slaves to sin. We are not slaves to our sinful desires and temptations. Through the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we are free from the power of sin. Well, I've always been this way. True, but you don't have to stay this way because you've got the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we use that as an excuse because let's be honest, we like it and we don't want to change. Well, sister Dawn, I just can't help myself. That's true. You're right. You cannot help yourself. <laughs> but God, the power of his Holy Spirit can change you. The power of the life-giving spirit can free you from sin. And he wants to. But you got to cooperate with him. You got to have relationship with Christ. You got to allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. It goes on to say the law of Moses 
was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Wow. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature. Read it. But instead, where are we? Next one. Yeah. All right. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. Read it. We are no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. I can follow what my sinful nature wants, or I can follow what the Holy Spirit wants. If I follow my sinful nature, I'll live my truth, but it will end up in hurt and misery and addiction and depression and anxiety, bondage, darkness. But if I say no to my sinful nature through the power of the Holy Spirit by his grace, then I can find life. And life abundantly. I can find freedom and healing and wholeness and deliverance and peace and joy and hope in the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus died and he broke the power of sin. So I don't have to live like I feel any longer. I can live according to his word by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, it comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. I've said it before and I will say it again. None of us have enough (laughs) self-will to do what we should do as followers of Jesus. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the word of God that is transforming us from the inside out. Because it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit, says the Lord. You and I cannot be good enough, ever. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Whether you've been serving Jesus for a day or decades, you and I need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need grace upon grace upon grace. Because it's easy to get complacent in our walk with Jesus. It's easy to get comfortable. Eh, I know the Bible. Why read it? I've read it before. I don't need to read the Bible. Wrong. That's a lie of the enemy. I don't care if you've read the Bible from Genesis to Revelations 35 times. Read it a 36th. Why? Because the word of God is living and active. Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. I tell you, I can read the same thing that I have read hundreds of times. And I'm probably not exaggerating on some of that. And it's still like, whoa, where did this come from? Because the word of God will speak to you where you're at in the moment that you need it. If you will spend time with Jesus in Christ, we live in Christ. We move in Christ. We have our being in Christ. We're free from sin in Christ. We find healing in Christ. We find wholeness in Christ. We find freedom in Christ. We find truth and grace. We must be active in our relationship with Jesus Christ. 
There's no other way for Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. There's no other way, church, but for you to spend time with Jesus Christ. Oh, that we would hunger and thirst for him. In John chapter 4, we don't have scripture for it, but Jesus goes out of his way to meet a Samaritan woman at the well. You might know the story. I'm going to just summarize it. He goes to a well. He sends his disciples away. And a Samaritan woman comes to draw water, and he engages her in conversation. He says, will you give me water? And she looks at him. She's like, you're a Jew and a man. I'm a woman and a Samaritan. What are you doing talking to me? Because again, culturally, Jews hated Samaritans. Jews thought of Samaritans like dogs. They were less than dogs. There was racial tension between Jews and Samaritans. And in their culture, Jewish men did not talk to any female outside of his family. So Jesus was breaking all kinds of rules. Sounds like Jesus, huh? (laughs) And so Jesus says, If you knew who was asking you for water, you would ask me. I would give you living water so that you would never thirst again. She says, I want this water so I don't have to keep coming back here. Why? Because in that day, culturally, all the women got up at the break of day when it was the coolest. And like girls do, they go to the bathroom together. In those days, the girls went to the well together. And all the girls would go and they would talk and gossip and chica chica and do all those things. And they would go to the well and they would draw. It was social hour. And this woman, well, she didn't quite fit in. So she didn't go with all the other girls. She waited until the hottest time of day so that she would guarantee nobody would be there. And day after day, nobody was there until this day when Jesus showed up. She says, I don't want to come back to this well. This well represents the fact that I'm an outcast, that I'm rejected, that I don't belong, that I don't fit in, that I'm not loved, that I'm dirty. It it, it represents my shame. I don't want to, give me this water, sir. I don't want to come back here again. Jesus, I love Jesus. He says, why don't you go call your husband? Oh, Jesus, I don't have a husband. Jesus says to her, that's true, you've had five, and now you're living with a man, and he's not your husband. She's like, oh, you're a prophet. (laughs) Like right away, she's like, there's something about this guy. I can tell that you're a prophet. (laughs) So now she changes, because you know how it is, you get a little uncomfortable. Oh, this guy's like reading my mail, he knows about, I don't know how he knows this, he's obviously a prophet, so I'm going to talk about worship. So, um, Our people say we worship here. Your people say that you worship in Jerusalem. So which one is it? Jesus says there's a time coming when you won't worship here or there because the Father is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. She says, I know someday the Messiah will come. There there was a, even though she lived this life of sin and she was an outcast and she was, you know, put out and full of shame and guilt. There was something in her that still was looking for God. And Jesus knew it. And she says, I know someday the Messiah will come and make it all right. (laughs) You know what Jesus did? He said, I am the Messiah. Do you want to know why this is such a big deal? Because she was the first person outside of the disciples that he revealed himself as the Messiah. To a Samaritan. To a female. 
So even God likes women, y'all, okay? Equal opportunity. <laughs> he chose a woman outside of his disciples, as the, a woman who was living with a man who wasn't her husband after five failed marriages. A woman who refused to go with the other women in the morning who came at the hottest time of day because she didn't want to be reminded of her shame and her sin. Jesus came to her. Full of grace, full of truth. He confronted her truth, but he, he, he did it in a way that invited her to him. And you know what this woman did? She ran back to town. She's like, what? Dude, you got to see this guy. I think the Messiah is here. She became the first missionary. Had she gotten out of her sin yet? No. Did she go home and move out? No. She just had to tell everybody, I found Jesus, y'all. You got to fight. This is the Messiah. You got to come out. Man, it's crazy. He knows everything about me. And the whole town came out. And you know what it says? They all believed because of her report. Full of grace and truth. See, oftentimes we find ourselves trying to fill that void through everything else. Sex, relationships, money, uh, success, achievements, possessions. Something to, to fill us, right? To make us whole, to complete us. But only Jesus can satisfy and you know why Jesus comes full of grace and truth? Because he wants you to know that only Jesus can really satisfy. He said, if you knew who was asking, you would ask me for living water and you would never thirst again. That same invitation is available to you and me today. We don't have to try to fill up our own sense of worth and well-being and happiness and wholeness. We can find it in Christ. My identity, I can find my identity in Christ. I, I can find my purpose in Christ. I can find my passions in Christ. Even when my passions don't align, I can depend on the power of Christ to help me come into submission to the word. Isn't he good? Isn't he good? Come on, give him praise. Put your hands together. God, you're good. I'm excited because I'm a recipient of the same grace. <laughs> Aren't you glad that he does not treat us as our sins deserve? But the Bible says he has removed our sins from us as far as the east is to the west. And he remembers them no more. Wow. So I'm going to close with Romans 12. Because as we talk about Jesus being full of truth and grace, and I read in Romans 1 that they traded the truth of God for a lie. They chose to worship their idea of God and live their own way instead of worshiping the true God. And so really the battle of truth is a battle over worship. If I am to live in truth, then I must choose to worship in spirit and in truth. Do you see the, the, the connection? I'm sowing it all out there for you. Do you see it? Romans 12, 1 through 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. I'm going to pause. Romans 1 through chapter 11 is all about sin and grace. 
It's all about the truth of sin, the struggle of sin, the reality of sin, but the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of the cross, the truth of grace, and the truth of mercy. The whole thing says, yeah, even Paul said in Romans 7, I love it, Paul, my homie, he says, man, the things I want to do, I don't do. Oh, and the things I know I should do, I don't do those things. What a miserable man I am. I said, Paul, I can relate, bro. Paul, this is Paul, y'all. You guys know Paul, right? He's like super Christian in our eyes. But even he said, I struggle. I know what's right, but I still know what's wrong. And, and, and I know what I should do, but I don't do it. Ah, there's a battle in me. And then he says at the end of Romans 7, who will save me from myself? But thanks be to God, who through Jesus Christ leads us in victory. But thanks be to God, who through Jesus Christ leads us from victory to victory, from grace to grace, from faith to faith, from strength to strength, from glory to glory. Come on and give him praise. We're so grateful, God. I don't know about you, but it excites me when I think about the truth that I'm a sinner, but he's a savior. When I own the truth that I don't have it figured out, I can lean into wisdom who is Christ. When I realize that I just don't have what it takes, I thank God I don't have to because he's with me. His spirit is in me. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is in me. That I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. So I'm no longer a slave to sin but I belong to Jesus Christ. That's why he says, and so. Another version says, in view of God's mercy, everything I talked about from Romans 1 all the way up till now, because of the truth of God's grace, because of the truth that he sent Jesus Christ to die on the sins, because Jesus did that, offer your body as a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable not your truth not the world's truth his truth read the next line this is truly the way to worship him i didn't hear you read it again this is truly the way to worship him so what's the way to worship him it's not singing this is fun playing music, singing songs. It's one avenue of worship. But real worship is the way I live my life every day. Do I live it for myself? Do I live it for someone else? Do I live it according to the world's ideology? Or do I choose to live for Christ? See, how you live shows your worship. Real worship is how you live every day. Real worship is when someone cuts you off on the freeway and instead of giving them the bird, you just bless them. That's real worship. Bless you, Jesus. Bless, bless. Help us, huh, pastor? Road rage is real. Worship him means I bite my tongue instead of maybe just speaking that comes out. Real worship is when I choose to forgive instead of get even. Real worship. See, sometimes we just over-spiritualize everything. Like you got to go through the whole day. Oh, Jesus, you're so good. 
He knows you got a job. Work. You want to worship him at work? Do your job to your best ability. And don't steal from your employer. Stay off social media. Stay off your phone. Do your job. Amen. That's worship unto Jesus. Oh, and be on time, by the way. And don't cheat your time card. That's worship. The way you raise your kids. When you would rather sleep in, and here they are up at 5.30 again, and you put a smile on your face. Worship. See, sometimes we overcomplicate this Christian thing. But it means I choose to have a good attitude when I'm grumpy. (laughs) True worship is the way I choose to live my life according to what God says is acceptable. Not what I want to argue and try to negotiate with God. Anybody ever try to negotiate with God? Yeah, me too. Doesn't usually, just doesn't work. This is truly the way to worship him. Look, look at verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. How do I know what God's will is for me? Every day, just try to live for him. He will make sure you find what is good, pleasing, and perfect. But do you notice how it starts? It says, don't be like the world. Don't think like the world. Don't copy the world. Just because the world says it's right, find out if it is. Just because the world says this is how it should look like, find out. Is this how it should look like? Even your own parents will try to tell you. Well-meaning, intentional people will try to tell you, you're doing the wrong thing. You're going the wrong way. You have to know what the Lord is saying and what his word is saying. Because I can guarantee you the people in my life haven't always understood the choices I've made. But I had to obey God. (laughs) I didn't always understand the choices God was having me make either. But we live according to his plan. His purpose. So we can't be like the world, but we got to be transformed. Every say transformed. That means you're changing. That means little by little I'm changing. I'm becoming less of the sinful nature and more controlled by the spirit. I'm not living according to my sinful nature. I'm living more like Christ. How does it do it? By changing the way you think. Everybody touch your head. This is where it starts, y'all. That's why it's so important that we take in more of God's presence and his word than we do any other source of information. Even if it's not bad information, sometimes we can just have too much nonsense information. (laughs) Not necessarily bad, just too much. And it robs us of our time with God. So I'm playing a video game instead of listening to God or I'm just binging this series, which isn't maybe bad, but instead of spending time with God, and then what happens? I'm just lulled to sleep as a Christian. And then the world's ways begin to influence me. I have to make sure that the word of God is my standard. The word of God is my truth. The word of God determines my actions. Even if the world says it's okay, if the Bible says it's not, I need to align with the Bible. We must change the way 
we think. Change the way we think. That means my truth needs to be defined by the truth. What is truth? Please be so careful. Parents, your kids are being told that truth is whatever they think, feel, want, desire. How are you going to know how to lead them in truth if you're not grounded in truth yourself? See, I believe right now, church, that we have a responsibility to stand in the gap for our kids. We have a responsibility to pray for them. We have a responsibility to be voices of truth in a culture that is loudly shouting everything that is opposite of the truth. We have a parents, you have a responsibility. Let them see you read the Bible. You want your kid to read the Bible? Then let them see you read the Bible. You want your kid to pray? Let them see you praying. You want your kids to listen to different music? Then you listen to different music. Okay, now, Donnie, you're getting a little personal here. We always want our kids to do better than us. We don't want them to go through the same thing we went through. So maybe instead of lecturing them on that, we model what it is to follow Jesus. And we model what it looks like to let God define our life and our truth by changing the way we think. Father in heaven, we thank you that you're so rich in mercy and grace. You're slow to anger. You're so patient, kind. <laughs> in fact, the Bible says that it's your kindness that leads us to repentance because you are full of truth and grace. And Jesus, you made the way. When you died on the cross, you tore the veil. You opened the way for us to approach God, to be made right with God, to have relationship with God. And it comes by faith. It comes through faith alone, by grace, not by works, because none of us could do it. Thank you for amazing grace. Thank you for grace. Thank you that you don't treat us as we deserve, but you're merciful and kind. And thank you for giving us what we don't deserve, help, power, strength, wisdom. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, today. Change the way we think. The battle of truth is a battle of worship. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity, whether here in this room, watching online, to choose this day whom you will serve. Will you worship the Father in spirit and in truth through faith in Jesus Christ? Or will you worship your own idea of what you think God should be like? And if you choose to worship God in spirit and in truth, then you give your life to live according to his ways. And if you want to do that, you simply pray after me, dear Father, thank you for loving me and giving your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Forgive me of my sins. I know I'm a sinner, but I receive salvation today as I choose to believe in you. Help me to live in a way that honors you. I choose today to serve you as my Savior and my Lord. Help me to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. And maybe even you know you've been struggling with the same sin. And I'm here to tell you today 
that Christ died to free us from the power of sin. And the solution is Jesus. Will you stand to your feet, church, as we close our service today? The answer is Jesus. If you want to grow in your understanding of truth, your understanding of Christ, I just invite you to put your own hand on your head. The Bible says we gotta, we're changed by the way we think. And I want you just to begin to pray your own prayer. Jesus, change the way I think. Help me to see sin the way you see it. Help me to know truth according to your word. Change the way I think. Show me if there's any stinking thinking, if there's any lies that I hold on to so that I can come to know truth. I believe today that I am saved by grace. I believe today that the power of sin has no control over me. I believe today that the Holy Spirit is working in me. I believe today that you will lead me from victory to victory. I believe today that there are still good things ahead for me. So I give you my life and I give you my mind. Change my thoughts. Work in my mind. Cleanse my mind. Heal memories that need to be healed. Deal with lies that I believed about myself or believed about you. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and shine the light of Christ in my mind. I offer my life to you as a living sacrifice today for the glory and honor of your name. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Visit us in person or online at hwcim.org.